Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. How many of you are glad that you got a God that'll take all of you? Even in your mess, even in your trouble, even with all the things that you've done, Jesus said, give it all to me. And not only that, I'll do something with it. You say, but Jesus, I ain't got very much. I, I'm just, I just got a little bit. And he says, take, give me that and I'll multiply it. Give me that and I'll use it. Give me that and I'll bless somebody else. We've got a God that'll take all of us in spite of our issues, in spite of our anxiety, in spite of our doubt. He says, give it to me. Give it to me and I'll use it. And so, man, I bring y'all greetings from Baltimore. Um, what up, y'all? Y'all good? Good, man, good. Um, I'm just excited to be here, uh, be here with you, uh, just to preach the word and to give you a little quick update. You know, I just want to say thank you. By quick round of, give me a hand. How many of you know somebody in the DMV? Baltimore area? All right, so listen, listen, listen. Listen, look, look right here. Call them. Call them, text them, tell them we in town, okay? Tell them we here and we got them. Now listen, Epiphany has become a brand name. And I say that with all love and affection. Like there's a certain kind of quality. I don't know if you remember the American Gangster and uh, 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 Frank Lucas talking to Nicky Barnes. And he says, we're a brand name. I'm like General Mills, like Pepsi. You know what I mean? I stand behind it. You know what I mean? So. Listen, we're a brand name now. Now listen, y'all are Fruit Loops and we're Fruity O's. Okay, so I know y'all are fly, y'all look nice. Listen, we Fruity O's right now, right now. So give us a little chance, but call your friends, family, all that. We launch, um, we launch in two weeks. So I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. Super excited about that. So I miss, I'm just excited, and you guys are a big part of that. We, we, monthly, we get people that, that have come from here or have visited here and heard the name, heard the podcast, something, and they say, man, I heard about a church called Epiphany in Baltimore because of Epiphany Philly, and I just want to say thank you. Your work goes beyond you, and your love goes beyond you. And so uh, as a recipient of that love, I just want to say thank you. Good? All right, turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, we're looking at verse 58, but I want to back up just a little bit. Want to back up just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 55. We're going to focus our time on verse 58, but I need to give you a little bit of context. So here's what the word of the Lord says. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. 
Where, death, is your sting? That's some big talk. Where, death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin. Now listen, if you are uh, uh, just getting in with us, you might not be a believer or something like that, and you're listening, what he's saying is that what, what scares us about death, what scares us about the unknown, what scares us about if we were to die at this moment, many of us would be fearful because we have done some things. And there's this tension because in our conscience, we know we will have to account for the things that we've done. Now, I don't know what, what's on the other side of that. What will happen to me when I get on the other side of death? But he goes on to say what, what gives death that power is the power of sin is the law. So your conscience, the word of God, that you shouldn't lie, that you shouldn't steal, that you, that you shouldn't murder, that you shouldn't have foolish talk, that you shouldn't envy, those things, those things that you know you shouldn't do that you have done, they would be cause for concern if you were to die. But he goes on to say this, verse 57, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, now, because Jesus has won the victory, because Jesus has accomplished, he has snuffed out death, sin in the world, because he is victorious, because he is the man, because we worship him and he sits at the right hand of the Father right now, because that's what the therefore is there for. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that the labor is not in vain. Look at your neighbor and say, play the tape. Look at your other neighbor and say, play the tape. Let's pray together. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for being victorious. And not only being victorious and standing high and lifted up as you deserve, but you invite us to be there with you. You invite us to be a part of your coronation. You invite us into your victory parade. And Lord, I thank you that we get to be beneficiaries of your good news, of your victory, of your overcoming. Lord, if it were not for you, were we to face death, we would have an uncertain future. But because you are victorious, oh God, we can stand before you with confidence. As a matter of fact, if you're a saint in God, you've told us that we can, we can close our eyes and rejoice because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so, Lord, we just say thank you right now. Now, I pray, I pray that if there are those that do not know you in this place, that you would transform hearts, that you would convict, that you would challenge, that you would bring a son or a daughter to yourself. And I pray that for all of those under the hearing of my voice, God, that we would not be the same as we came in here. We would leave with our heads up high and our chest out, not because we've got it together, but because you are victorious. And all God's people say, amen. Play the tape. Play the tape. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is from Baltimore. I ain't know if you know that. I'm going to just put that out there. We ain't got a lot to be proud of, but I'm going to put that out there. Michael Phelps is also the most decorated Olympian of all time. 28 medals. And he holds 
the all-time record in gold medals. He's highly decorated. Now, I like studying those guys. I want to know about those guys who can perform at a higher level than the rest of us. Something, something about them. What makes them tick? What makes them, how do, why do they think the way they think? How are they able to perform? And we may feel like, just, man, he's just got a special God-given gift or talent or something. And so I could never do what they do. But I, I, I want to know what's behind that because I think he's just a man or a woman like you and I. He puts on his pants the same way, but there's something there, I just want to find out what that is. So I did some digging, and many of us know Michael Phelps because of his world records and because of his many medals, but I want to know who taught him. Who helped him to be who he was? Is it just talent? Is it just that he's the man? I'm sure, I'm sure he's got long arms and his body is kind of built to facilitate the skills that he has, but I think somebody helped him along the way, and I found out his coach. His coach's name is Bill. Bill. He sounds regular. <laughs> Good old Bill. Bill Bowman is his name. Michael Phelps's coach. Michael Phelps's coach, Bill Bowman, says this. He helped Michael by helping him to create a habit that would make him the strongest mental swimmer in the pool. So not that he would be the best swimmer in the pool or the fastest swimmer in the pool, but the toughest mental swimmer in the pool. So ever since Michael Phelps was a teenager, Bowman would tell him to go home and watch the videotape before going to bed. And when you wake up in the morning, go and watch that videotape, Michael. And the videotape I found was not a real videotape. Some of y'all are like, a videotape? I don't even know what that is. The VCR, like, yeah, to play a videotape? Nah, we got DVDs. I mean, this is on my phone. Anyway, it's not a real videotape. It was a mental visualization of the perfect race. So each night before falling asleep, each morning when he woke up, Michael Phelps would imagine himself jumping off the blocks. He would know what the water felt like coursing across his face. He would know how many strokes it would take to get to the end of the pool. He knew what exactly the turn would look like. He knew what it would feel like to breathe as he, in between strokes. He knew how far the walls were, what the lights would feel like on his face. He even knew what his heart rate would feel like. And he knew, he said, picture yourself all the way to the end of the race where you pull the cap off and you look at the scoreboard. I want you to have that picture that perfect mental picture in your mind, down to the smallest detail. He knew every second. Michael Phelps knows every second by heart. During practices, Bowman would shout, put in the videotape. And Michael Phelps would be swimming along like normal, but when he would put in the videotape, he would excel further than he would if he had just been going through the motions. And he would push harder, and it kept working. And here's what Mike Bill Bowman says. He says, we figured it would be best to concentrate on the tiny moments of success and build them into mental triggers, Bowman says. If you were to ask Michael, what's going on in your head before a race? I know you've probably seen the footage. Michael just over there doing his thing, looking off into the distance, listening to some music. And he's looking, and you, what, what's going through your head right now? And he would tell you nothing. Nothing is actually going through my head. But Bill Bowman said, that's not actually true. That's not actually accurate. It's more like his habits, 
had taken over. The actual race was just another step in a pattern that had started earlier that morning. So what was happening was victories and winning was just a natural extension of his daily habits. So many of you are struggling right now and you're having a hard time because you've not been playing the doggone tape. Because what happens is there's a natural thing that should just, you should be able to maneuver through things, but you keep wondering, why am I having such a hard time with sin? Why is these things keep happening to me? You keep doubting. You keep wondering that God maybe left you and forgot about you. You, 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 you feel like, man, my, my relationships, they just don't seem to work. I just don't have it in me to do what God has called me to do. But you need to what? Play the tape. You need to play the tape. As believers, we get caught up so many times believing that you have to conjure up the strength to fix your weaknesses. Many of you are white-knuckling your way through Christianity, not knowing that God says, I've already won the victory for you. So you are trying to figure out ways. I got to fix my weaknesses. I got to fix myself. I got to get that together. I got to do this. I got to do that. And so by the time you get to a verse in scripture that says, be steadfast, be immovable, you go, I, 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 don't, I don't have, how do you do that? And you got to play the tape. You were never supposed to defeat your own enemies. God would defeat them for you. You were never supposed to fight your own battles. God would fight them for you. So that's a trick that gets us to, to live and work focused on ourselves and, and, and not knowing that Jesus wanted you to fight from his victory and not your efforts. Your efforts is just walking in step with what God has already done. It's the extension of your habits and who you are. Let me show you what it's like to play the tape. We got to play the tape of God's victory over ourselves day in and day out. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Deuteronomy 9, 3, he goes before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you so that you shall destroy them quickly. Isaiah 45, 2, I will go before you and make the crooked paths straight. You ain't got to make the path straight. I'll make it straight. You ain't got to break the gates of bronze. He says, I'll do that. I'll do that and I'll cut the bars of iron. Chronicles 32, 7, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to what? Fight our battles. Then you get all the way to Jesus in John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now listen, some of y'all are anxious. Some of you are tired. You're overwhelmed because you out here fighting a battle that you ain't got to fight. And so what did Jesus say? He said, I'm telling you specifically because I know you're going to get overwhelmed. I know you're going to get tired. I know you're getting frustrated. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. Wait a second. How do I be courageous and suffering's coming? I don't want suffering, but you're saying be courageous. I ain't got it in me. I'm just little old me, and there's a lot of suffering out there. But if there's something else, I have conquered the world. So you're not being courageous out of your own strength. You're courageous out of the fact that Jesus has already conquered. So I can be courageous with the conqueror. So that's what Jesus has done for us. The Christian faith has always given you an unfair advantage. 
The Christian faith is always giving you an unfair advantage. Many of us come into this thinking, oh man, now I gotta act right and be right and do right and do all the things. No, you've always had an advantage. The cards have always been stacked in your favor. Everything's already been set up for you. All you need to do is walk on in here. It's an invitation. Jesus said, what did Jesus say in John 10? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you what? Life and life more abundantly. So how do you get life more abundantly? If I take care of everything for you and you just enjoy it? That's how you get life more abundantly. I got everything. No, you just come on in and enjoy the things. So God fights our battles. And Jesus has already won the victory over death. Jesus has won the victory over hell. Jesus has overcome your sin and temptation. You don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with you. You have a high priest that knows your temptations and your struggles. He has already conquered the world. Now you need to live like it. That's the hard part. Because he's already done it. I need you to live like it. And this is where we get in our text. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, that's what the therefore is there for. Therefore, because Jesus has the victory, because the cross has already been defeated, because the grave is already empty, because of that, because you are sure of the victory, there are three things you are exhorted to do. Check this out. First one, be steadfast. Be steadfast. I'm not telling you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure out how to be steadfast. I'm telling you, you are already steadfast. You're already steadfast. In other words, what does it mean to be steadfast? Don't move. I want you to stand firm. Being steadfast means you have one thing on your mind and you are deeply rooted and planted. You ain't shaky, you ain't doubting, you you don't move. You are like a tree planted by the rivers of water and your roots go deep. So how do I, how do I, do that. How do I stand firm, Charlie? Because everything that's going on around me seems so, so, so fluid and I can't seem to get a hold on anything and things seem overwhelming. Why? Because Jesus has walked out of the grave. I need you to become stuck in the reality of your Christian identity and your calling as a beloved child of God. I need you to become stuck in your identity. Some of you are still stuck in your old identity and you haven't fully adopted your new identity. So what happens is, what happens is that the enemy is reminding you of your past and you need to remind him of who you are right now. That's true, but that's not who I am. That's true, I did that, but that's not who I am. What does he say? You are saved by grace. You're a new creation. You're an heir of God. You are an inherited son or daughter. You are a stone in the temple of God. You are the people of God. You are priests. You are royal. These are all the things that are... Listen, you don't become that. You are that. So I need you to begin to live out the extension of what? Playing the tape. Play the dog on tape. And don't move from that. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. My mind is only on you because they trust in you. I ain't trusting in this world. I ain't trusting in the stuff that goes around me. I don't care how fast it moves, how slow it goes, how uncertain it seems. I'm not moving because then I know, oh, God is steadfast. God is steadfast. And his heart is towards me. Being steadfast means you got one thing on your mind. And I know y'all know what it's like to have one thing on your mind. 
I know you know what it's like to have one thing on your mind. I know y'all trying to act like y'all holier than now, but I, I, I know something about y'all. It reminds me of an old love song. You got it, you got it bad. <laughs> when you're on the phone, you hang up. Call right back. You got it, you got it bad. When you miss a day with your friend, when you miss a doggone day with your friend, your whole life is out of whack. You know you've got it bad when you're stuck in the house. I don't want to have fun with y'all. I don't want to have fun. I don't want to have fun. Because it's all you can think about. That's what it means to be steadfast. That's what it means to be steadfast. And listen, listen, that ain't because you got it all together. That ain't because the money came in. That ain't because all that other stuff. That's because Jesus has won the victory. And I've seen this before. I've seen it before. See, that's what you got to tell yourself. When, the, when I start to doubt, oh, 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 I've seen this before. Oh, I've been in this situation before. Oh, and if it wasn't for me, oh, I've seen the scriptures. Oh, I've seen the life of my brother, my sister. Oh, this is, oh, this is regular. So I know what to do. That's the first thing. Because you are sure of victory, be steadfast. Second thing you need to do, because you are sure of victory, be immovable. Be immovable. That sounds a lot like being steadfast, but it's a little different. It means to not be seducible. That somebody can come along and talk you out of your position. So I need to convince you internally, okay, I, this is who I am, okay? And you got to keep talking to yourself, keep talking to yourself. But then when it means to be immovable, somebody comes along and starts whispering in your ear. And you, you begin to compromise and say, oh, maybe, maybe. Right, this is not so bad. What happened in 2 Corinthians 11.3? But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion of Christ. You can be seduced out of a pure devotion to Christ. The words of the cunning one can come in and whisper in your ear. My testimony is Psalm 73. Here's what he said. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I struggled. I struggled because my steps nearly went astray, for I envied the arrogant. I saw how fly they were out there. I saw their nice clothes. I saw how they was living. They had the girls. They had the cars. They had the money. He says, I saw I saw with my own two eyes the prosperity of the wicked. Oh, so they making money. They living life. They smiling. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. I'm hungry and they out here and the Lord done told me I got to sacrifice and I got to give and I got to serve. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to do that? Oh, if I play the tape, I remember. My Jesus done been through everything I've been through. Yeah. That there's temptation that he's faced that ain't too much for him, then it ain't too much for me. Yeah. To whatever he has, I now can have, I have access to. And so I need to remind you, listen, in our Instagram, Facebook, social media, YouTube age, you can't always believe what you see and hear around you. The world will constantly work to seduce you and punk you out of your position. That will work to move you away from your calling. And God has always been calling you to, he always is desired for you to be the apple of his eye. 
He's always desired for you to see him as just the, the brightest and the best thing. But you keep getting caught up in trivial things. You keep getting caught up in trivial things. Deuteronomy 4.19, this is what he said to the people of Israel. When you look to the heavens and see the sun, moon, and stars, and all the stars in the sky, do not be led astray, or what? Seduced to bow and worship to them and serve them. The Lord your God has provided them for all people everywhere under earth. So he's giving you a lot of good things to enjoy, but not to worship them. He's giving you that so you can worship him. But we get tricked out of our position. We feel shaky in our faith and we get all wrapped up and we're unsure because we see so many bright lights in our face. Listen, you can't trust the world. You can't, and, and, and it's bad for some of us. Some of y'all are in relationships right now, and you get in marriage relationship, and they single. You get in financial advice from people that's broke. You, you get in faith advice from people that ain't got no faith. And so you're sitting there saying, man, I don't understand why everything is so uncertain and all this and that. And I'm saying, no, you can't listen to everybody. You can't trust. And listen, you can't even trust yourself. Our motto as a generation is follow your heart. The Bible says the heart is wicked and deceptive. So you're trying to follow your passion, and your passion is going to lead you down to an end of a road. And so listen, listen, here's what I want you to pray. Here's what I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray, God, give me perseverance. Give me endurance. Give me endurance. Because some of us like to favor that John 3.16 mentality. See, y'all like a John 3.16 mentality. For God so loved the world oh, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish and I will not perish. And so that's how you view God. And what I need for you is to have a James 1 mentality. I need you to have a James 1 mentality. What's a James 1 mentality, you say? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds because you know the testing of your faith. So what does that mean? Your faith is going to get tested. So why are you surprised it's getting tested? But listen, it's got an outcome. The testing of your faith will produce perseverance. It's going to give you endurance so that you may be what? Perfect. So y'all keep talking about going from infancy to maturity, but you want to do it on easy street. That don't work. That don't work. Some of us, man, I'm working on it. Some of us want to get swole without getting sore. You want to get big, but you ain't trying to put in no work. And so what's he saying? Pray, pray, pray for perseverance. If you know, listen, I know if you play the tape. I know if you have been playing the tape. I know it. I know when I'm meeting people in counseling. I know when I meet people that are burned by the church, if you've been playing the tape. We can talk about the gospel all day, every day. We talk about the gospel, 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 and you're still not playing the doggone tape because you keep getting overwhelmed. You keep getting anxious. You keep being shocked at everything that comes along the way. And he's saying, no, 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 no. This is what makes you better. How do I know? When you play the tape, it'll secure you in uncertain times. Michael Phelps, going through the motions of the day. He's at a race. Gets up on the blocks, gun goes off, he jumps in the water. As he jumps in the water, he realizes something is not right. He's, 
flying through the water. And as he's flying through the water, his goggles aren't on right. So what does that mean? He can't see. He don't know which way he's going. But he done trained for this, right? So he don't know. He just knows if I do this many strokes, that's how far it takes me to get there. So I, I, can kinda, I don't know where the walls are. I don't know if I'm in my right lane. But I know if I keep going in this direction... All right, I think I, I think I can figure it out. So he goes through the motion, he goes through the turns, he goes back and forth, he swims and he says, you know what? I got about 10, 12 more strokes to get to the end of this thing. For all I know, I'm in last place, doc. And so he gets to the, he pushes to the end, gets there, pulls the cap off, pulls the goggles off. When he looks up, he done broke another world record. I'm just trying to tell you, some of you done went through some things and you ain't know how you was gonna make it. Then all of a sudden you got to the end and said, whoa, I'm better than what I was. So it ain't it ain't because all of a sudden you got the, the answers. It ain't because all of a sudden now all of a sudden you got the heart. It ain't because all of that. You was frustrated. You was cussing. You was crying. You was tired. You had given up. But something empowered you past what you could do. That's what playing the tape does. What do we do when we play the tape? We're reminded of the deeds of God, the faithfulness of God, how he's overcome, how he's lived in my life, how he's done things in me that I could never do on my own. And so it gets to the third one. Because you know you have the victory, be steadfast, be immovable, and the last thing, always be abounding in the work of the Lord. What is he saying? The first two are kind of defensive postures because there are things that are trying to get you. But this one is the offensive mechanism where you are pushing out around anything that may be coming. And he, I think he has this caveat this because what happens is when you get so caught up in trying to fix yourself and try to make things perfect and figure it out on your own, you stop serving. You stop caring about other people. You ain't looking for nobody else in their situation. Right. Pastor Larry, I know we need to be out there helping people, but I ain't got time for that because I got issues on my own. But don't you know, is that when you begin to serve somebody else, you begin to get the energy that you need. When you serve somebody else, you get the care that you need. You go, oh man, I, I was doing bad, but man, I, I went out there and I helped them out. And so now all of a sudden I'm getting the energy that I need. So he says, you are to abound in the work of the Lord. You are to abound in the work of the Lord. What does it mean to abound? That means to be exceedingly active and energetic always. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm sleepy right now. <laughs> exceedingly active? Yes. He means don't slow down. Don't back up. Don't ease off the gas. Do not, do not take a break. You just keep on plowing. And, that, and what is this work of the Lord? That's pointing people to Jesus. That's pointing them to Jesus. You never get a break. There is no halftime. There is no rest time. Even in your worst and darkest times, don't you know that's some of the sweetest ministry time? Because somebody sees the pain you're going through and they say, how do you navigate it? And you say, man, it's nothing but the grace of God. It's nothing but. And so I, this is, I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is my testimony because as a church planner, you get punched in the mouth left and right. Left and right, realities hit you. Insecurities hit you. Satan hits you. 
cities will hit you in your mouth and break your heart and things will happen. And I, and I say, okay, Lord, well, I need a break. No, 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 no. I need to use this for my glory. I need to use this so I can show off how good he is. Man, don't you know two weeks ago, I live in Baltimore, boy. Joker had them broke into my car. My car and my wife's car. Broke in our car and stole the TV we use for worship on Sunday morning. 55-inch TV. Took out the little foldable table. They didn't want that. And so took the TV. And what was so bad about the TV is it wasn't the TV itself. It was that <laughs> it was the clamp on the back of the TV that was more expensive than the actual TV. We got the TV for free. The daggone clamp was like $200. We've been teaching our church, you got to pray first. Don't react, pray. So I said, okay, Lord. I'm standing out by my car, looking at somebody that took the dog on TV. I don't know if I got the money. I don't feel like raising no money to get no dog on TV. I said, Lord, bless the, whoever that was. I pray that the only thing that comes on TV will be T.D. Jakes and TBN. <laughs> so once they turn it on, they can never turn it to nothing else. Um, but I said, Lord, you know we need a TV because we need something to put the lyrics up on the TV. Don't you know by 12 o'clock that day I had two new TVs? I ain't got no swag. I just talked to my daddy. Cause he's got all the TVs I need. I ain't got it together. I ain't even got the face. I just said, man, I, I just need a little help. And he said, you know what? I got you. Don't even worry about it. Before lunch that day, we had two new TVs. So don't slow down at pointing people to Jesus. Don't slow down. So I think many of you struggle with doing good works for people. You get internally focused, you struggle because you feel like it's taking your energy. No, you will get more energy the more you serve. Yes. That's why I'm so encouraged by Miss Dara that on her last Sunday, she ain't chilling, she's still serving y'all. Yeah. So how is she doing that? She is continually being energized as she serves you even though she's on her way out the door. So that's a testimony for us. It should energize who you are and what you do. God has given you gifts. He says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's what you were created for, which he, God, prepared for you beforehand so that you would walk in them. Not work in them, walk in them. You will be energized as you work out the good works of the Lord that he has set up for you. So I encourage you right now, don't back up because you're going through something. If you're going through something right now, serve somebody else. You get up and pray for somebody else. You get up there and help those kids out. You go out on that block and talk to somebody. You bring some groceries to somebody and watch what the Lord begins to do for you. Watch what he does for you. But you don't do that out of your own strength and your, will, your own will. Why do we do that? How? We've been playing the tape, right? We've been playing the tape. I've seen, man, I don't know what to do tomorrow. I don't know, I feel so uncertain. But I know that they're my brothers and sisters in the scriptures. They've been through this. I know when I come to church and I see Pastor E and Miss Yvette and I'm uncertain. Don't you know? We've been through this before. This is only part of the, this is part of the game. This is what we do. You're going to take some L's. That's okay. But don't you know at the end of it, you're going to look back and say, God, you were the one that empowered me through it the whole time. So that's my prayer for you, Epiphany. That's my prayer for you that I pray that you would be steadfast, that you would be immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord because you know 
This ain't in vain. The seeds that you've sown, the cry, the tears that you've cried, the expense, all the things that you do, it's not in vain. I'm a living testimony of your work. The church in Baltimore is a testimony of what your faithfulness does for somebody else. So don't stop. It keep going. Your work is not in vain. And we don't do that because we got it all together and we're the smartest people on earth. We ain't. We do it because Jesus has already been victorious. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful to God for you. Lord, we, I, I, I pray that you would forgive us right now because many of us have proclaimed your power and have not lived out the truth of that reality. We've talked about how you're sovereign. We've talked about how you control all things. And then we get into a classroom and we get nervous. We get into an argument and then we get scared. Bills come in the mail and then we get nervous. Lord, we're denying your power when we get anxious. I pray that right now, God, that you would increase our faith. Help us to be like the disciples where they said, listen, listen Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. So would you lift the faith of Epiphany Church right now to believe for more, to desire for more, that we know that you have all things under your control and you are victorious and we will stand before you and you will have your arms open wide saying, listen, I had your back the whole time. You were scared, nervous, doubting me, but it's all good. You're here now with me. Lord, help us to walk in who you've called us to be. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.